And I think it's really important that we understand that by following our true path, if people fall away from us, they are not meant to be coming with us on this path. And it's that simple. And I don't think that's too harsh. It's just a reality. And we have to let things go and let ourselves grow and not be held back by people who are ultimately holding themselves back. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously. And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. Here's another five-star review from Butcher and Baker. Insightful, thoughtful, and powerful. Being seeks to unite humanity through multiple lenses and spheres of influence. I look forward to watching this young man's career grow. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. My guest today is Nikki Trott. Nikki is a certified transformational life coach who passionately empowers conscious entrepreneurs and change makers to drive their personal power, align with their purpose, and excel as they transition in business and or relationships. Before finding alignment between her work and values, Nikki ran her own thriving consulting company for leading brands like Mercedes-Benz, Mac, and La Prairie, and held global agency director positions consulting over 100 brands such as Tiffany, Mulberry, and Mango. She now brings this business and brand expertise to her conscious clients through coaching and her brand new podcast, Going Conscious. Nikki Trott, welcome to Being. How are you? Hi, Patrick. I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So excited for you to be here. Uh, Nikki, you're doing so many amazing things in the world, uh, but I just wanted to focus on your new podcast that you've recently launched, Going Conscious. Congratulations. Thank you. It feels great to have it out there. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you give us uh, like a basic idea of what the premise will be? Yeah. So each week I speak to an amazing person who's gone through transformation in their life um, towards living a more conscious life. So I explore ideas about finding freedom, fulfillment and meaning and working where purpose drives success. Amazing. I had the honor of being a guest on Nikki's podcast, Going Conscious, and I wanted to uh, introduce that because I think it's really important you're interviewing people about their transformation, but this is an opportunity for me to interview you about your transformation. So I want to sort of go back and hear some about your story, um, your childhood, and how you follow the trajectory to the height of the business world in London as a consultant. Uh, So let's let's hear about that. How did how did you get there? Okay. Wow. (laughs) Starting from childhood. (laughs) I could talk forever, but I'll give you a summary. Um, So I grew up in London. I went to an all-girls school and it was um, quite competitive. 
but also very empowering. And we were definitely taught that we could absolutely do anything we wanted. Most of the people from my school went down very traditional career paths, um, which I always knew I wasn't interested in. I wanted to do something with people. Uh, but I was really brought up uh, the culture in London. I, I'm not blaming my parents, but just in the wider upbringing and influences I had, really that the job you do is aligned with the self-worth that you have. And that was really something that I saw across my social groups. I was really ambitious and motivated, full of energy, but always enjoying life to the fullest. So I always had a really good balance, I would say. Um, I never drowned in work, but I progressed very quickly. I worked for a startup as the third employee Then after university. Then I moved to fashion advertising. I was the youngest director there. And I really was working in this world of madness. You know, I was meeting amazing people. I made friends for life. I was on planes almost every week, one week in New York, five weeks in London and across Europe. Um, yeah, it was, it was full on amazing clients, big brands, and, you know, like H&M and Calvin Klein and Gallery Lafayette and Dior. Um, but I, I just felt more and more that this work wasn't really fulfilling. So I knew I needed a big change. I hadn't yet heard of the Saturn return, but if that's something you know about and believe in, I think I have a pretty strong case for it. I was 29 and I ended my five-year relationship with my partner, moved out of our apartment in London, left my job in fashion advertising. I just felt I wasn't growing anymore. My growth had really plateaued and I wasn't passionate about the work I was creating either. And I moved to Berlin. I, it was very spontaneous. I had a flight booked to Berlin for a weekend two weeks later where my best friend lives and a group of my very good friends who've always created a space where I could be truly myself without feeling judgment or comparison or jealousy. And it seemed like a really wonderful place for growth, a place of creativity, but also where you can take life at the pace you want. So I did it. I, I jumped and um, went to Berlin and that's where I started my first company. It was still in the same kind of area. So it was a consulting company. I worked with brands like Mercedes-Benz and Mac Cosmetics and La Prairie um, on consulting, brand strategy and marketing. But I was on my personal journey at the same time. I had also become vegan at the time I had left London. I'd been almost vegan for a while, but I became fully vegan at that point. I started to experiment with meditation. I got really into Pilates and did a teacher training in that as well and started listening to podcasts, actually. Uh, the first podcast I really got into was Russell Brand's Under the Skin and this was really the company I kept. When I first moved to Berlin, I was making a lot of new friends, but I was also spending a lot of time alone for the first time, which I enjoyed so much. Having my own apartment, taking long walks through the city, finding inspiration and just listening to these incredible people inspiring me right from my pocket. So that mm. was how my journey then developed. And more and more as my business was going really well in traditional terms anyway, you know, it was six figures from the start, massive clients like the brands I mentioned. I was flown to New York and here and there, although I really had tried to rein in my, my constant travel by this point to have more of a grounded existence. Um, mm. But I thought, well, you know, I've, I'm earning more than double the money. Um, I'm working less than half of the hours. So this kind of fulfillment and freedom well, I have the freedom part, but the fulfillment's completely lacking. And mm. I just couldn't really pretend to myself anymore that the work I was doing was the work I wanted to be doing. So mm. that's when I took the leap to step away from consulting and, and the clients that I was working with. And some people thought I was crazy. Um, again, that comes from comparison, I think. And, you know, seeing the freedom I was living with um, and the materialistic success of the business that I had but I knew in my soul it just wasn't my calling and what I really felt was actually that the simplest of tasks were becoming more exhausting because I was mm. going against my natural flow and my natural energy and I was having to force myself to do um, my, my job by the end so I, I really knew that was very wrong even though it was still minimal effort as I had years of experience by then it, it didn't feel right so yeah. I had always had the idea of, well, I'd always been interested in life coaching. 
And honestly, I thought it's not a serious career. It's not what ambitious people do. It's not how you make <laughs> it, whatever that means. I had definitely been given these ideas and had absorbed them, um, internalized them, believed them. And it just suddenly became clear to me that life coaching was something I needed to pursue, a way that I could have the positive impacts on people and the planet that I know I can have and should be having and want to have on on this earth. And so I trained as a transformational life coach um, across Berlin and London, where I did my course, started working with clients, and my life took a complete change. Wow. What a story. What a trajectory. What a journey. So exciting. Uh, I want to come back to so where you were uh, at sort of the height of your success, inverted commas, and how that felt. And was there sort of a moment or a sign that you recognized where, okay, this is not right. There's something missing. Was there a moment or was it sort of more of a gradual um, awareness that came up in you? I think I never took it too seriously. I have a strong work ethic, I believe, and it's really important to me that I deliver well to my clients always, whatever the project is, if I've taken it on. But at the same time, the work felt quite easy and it felt meaningless in the end. I was creating PDFs and strategies and documents and going to meetings to talk about how to sell more things that people don't need that are damaging mm. the planet and sell them in ways which harm the way people feel about themselves. So more and more, I just felt a lack of passion um, for what I was doing. I think the passion I'd had at the beginning uh, was more related to people and to creativity and to just having a new challenge in a completely new world. But actually, mm. um, yeah, when, when you kind of break down the, the mystery, what's actually left was very vacuous. So mm. I took the lifelong friendships with me, of course, um, which I'm so grateful to have made. And I'm so grateful to have had all the experience I had because I now bring that to conscious businesses and conscious clients. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have that up my sleeve. But um, I think it was, to answer your question, a gradual feeling of I knew probably all along but didn't really want to face the fact that I knew deep down that this work didn't feel purposeful to me. Mm. And it just took a few more examples of, of what would seem to be successes, but not feeling anything inside when they mm. happened, when the new big project was won, when the new high profile client was on the table um, and feeling a lack of care for those kinds of things, I think, really shows you that you're doing something which doesn't align with your true purpose. Mm, yes. I think we're so programmed, especially in the West, to, to check all the boxes of what society deems as success. Uh, and that typically is go to the right school, get good grades, get a high-profile job, wife, career, or husband, um, kids, car, you know, the typical things. Um, but the definition of success for me has changed massively over time. And I wanted to ask you if it's changed for you. What is your definition of success and has it changed over your lifetime? Yeah, great question. I love discussing <laughs> this as well. Um, <laughs> so I would say it's changed a lot, but that I never really dug into what success truly means to me before. So in the first 30 years of my life, I was told what success meant and it felt a bit like a game and it felt kind of easy. It was easy to make good money. It was easy to start a business. It was easy to do these things, to be flying around the world. And I thought, really, is, is this the thing that, that, that we're meant to be going after? I always had a bit of a different view and was a bit of a rebel at school. Like I said, not going down a traditional career path. I mean, most people from my school became lawyers or doctors or bankers. Um, they definitely didn't go into the arts or the creative world. And I was seen as quite an anomaly at that time. So I thought I had my own view and I thought I really knew what I was about and didn't really care what others think, which was always true to some extent, but I was far more influenced than I realized still mm. by the, the view of success that comes from our society. And now I understand what success really truly means. Um, I think the most important word is freedom. 
freedom to create what you want to create, freedom to evolve and grow and not be in a box or defined by others or by yourself, um, freedom with your time, which I think is the most important thing so that you can choose how you want to live and plan your business around the lifestyle you choose rather than the other way around. I think mm. I, I definitely used to see it much more that your business or that your job or career defines your lifestyle. But now I understand that you can choose your own lifestyle and then plan your business accordingly. And then you're mm. really in your flow. You're really living the way you want to be living. So freedom to express yourself as well. Um, that's really important for me working for myself as an entrepreneur. I can be true to my own message and I don't have to cover that up or comply with somebody else's values. I can really bring my own values to the fore. And yes, freedom, I would say, is the most important, but also fulfillment massively. And fulfillment mm. comes from making a positive impact and really helping people in the world and learning through experience that what you give is what you get back. And starting from this point of giving instead of taking. That's a mm. huge mindset shift that changes every huge. aspect of your life, every relationship you have, every encounter you have with yourself, with nature, with any kind of learning process. So mm. that's been a really big turning point as well. Wow. So many things that there that resonate for me. Um, a couple of things I'll touch on specifically about um, the way we're incentivized by the system to always be progressing or always be selling or always be marketing or always be, you know, one upping and without any true respect for the planet or other people. It's just incentivized profit, bottom line, that's it. And for us to be in that world, I wrote um, music for advertising and jingles for many, many years. And that sort of became an ethical problem for me is like, wait a minute, I am using the breadth of my talent in order to influence other people to buy products that they don't need exactly what you were talking about. But that is is fundamental to our or the society's view of success. And it's just it's so backwards in so many ways, but it's and there's so much momentum behind it that it's very difficult to break away from. So congratulations, first of all, on that, on that regard. But what would you say to some people who maybe are in um, you know, corporate jobs or in the business world, they're feeling this sense of detachment or lack of fulfillment, and they're not sure what to do about it. Like, what's what are some of the steps they can take, or what are also what are some of the signs they might look for? Is like, wait a minute, I'm out of alignment. This isn't right. What can I do about it? Something comes to mind, which someone I interviewed for my podcast recently said, Rachel Arthur, and she was a fashion journalist. And then she really transformed into now what she does as a sustainable consultant. It's a, she mm. does really amazing work. But she said she realized at one point, is my purpose just to make other people money? Why would that make me happy? <laughs> and it sounds so simple, but it's so true. We're on this hamster wheel of just making other people more and more money without really questioning why, because we've been brainwashed into aligning our self-worth with that. And there's only a very few people who benefit from that process. The majority mm -hmm. of us don't. And I would say in terms of somebody who's in a corporate job or somewhere in their career where they're not feeling quite right about what they're doing, firstly, that you have to take your own time and it's really your own individual journey. Nobody can say, you should be doing this, you should be doing this at this time. It's really up to each person. But the more we learn how to be true to ourselves through our relationship with ourselves, and the more that we learn self-love, I believe that's how we can start to align with our own intuition and to trust it. And that, mm. that has been a huge part of my life. Something that I've always done more than the people around me, I have to say. Um, since I was very young, I've always had this sense that I know my intuition is right. But of course, there have been many times where I've been very delayed in listening to it as well. <laughs> and I think the more you build that connection with yourself and channel your self-love through 
your whole spiritual journey from the books that you mm. choose to read to the films you choose to watch, the podcasts you choose to listen to, to practices that you may enjoy, such as breath work or meditation or yoga or just, you know, walking in nature, whatever it might be for you. Um, by building that real trust in your intuition, you start to be able to read the signs much better. And we're ignoring the signs our bodies give us for so long. I started to get migraines when I was working for a company that I didn't really want to be working for. And I hadn't even realized because I didn't want to admit to myself that this successful life that I was living was maybe not the life I wanted to be living. Because then you ask yourself, well, what, what should I be doing then? And, and you, you know, that's so exciting. But that's also a big challenge, of course. And so I started getting migraines. My body was actually acting out and telling me, stop what you're doing is not right. It, you know, your energy is not flowing in the right way. And as soon as I moved to Berlin, I didn't get a migraine again. So wow. yeah, it was really amazing. And, and very clear that the body gives signals. And I think we're ignoring those signals a lot. And that's one way. Another way is what I described in my own journey, where I felt it was taking me more and more effort to do something which was mm. reasonably simple, which I was experienced in, because I felt I was kind of forcing myself. So I would describe that as inner resistance, which is intuition telling you this is not aligned, this is not your purpose, you're not on the right path. And you're forcing yourself down a different path, like forcing a round nail in a square hole. And when you feel that, again, I think the most important and hardest step is to admit that to yourself. And then, and then you can move from there. You can start to investigate. There are so many ways through hiring a coach, through starting a journaling practice, through just being more and more aware, practicing your own awareness or meditation. Many, many more ways that, that each individual can find their own path to their purpose. Mm, amazing. I love that. So trust is has been a massive word for me uh, over the last year, especially. Um, I think for a lot of people, the challenge, myself included, you know, when I started to feel those signs, when I was, I had, you know, a 30 year alcohol dependency, and we've spoken about this before, but the signs were starting to manifest. My stomach lining was eroding, like uh, headaches and just the hangovers were getting worse and worse. And it's like, I had to pay attention to my body, knowing that there was something out of alignment, but still living in my head and having that sort of fear, anxiety, I have to be doing this, I have to be doing that, and not trusting that deep intuition. So it's taken me and it's still a, a work in progress to, to a be still enough to listen to that intuitive voice, and then to trust it. Because often what it's um, inviting us to do might be counterintuitive, it might be against the flow of what other people are doing, it might be against the flow of what our parents want us to do or our friends. And so to, to have the courage to take that step and follow that intuition, even if it doesn't appear like um, the, the, right, the right step at the time, to trust it and then follow that path has been a challenge for me. And I, I'm sure it has for you and your clients as well. Um, I want to come back to what you said about purpose, though, because purpose is such a, an interesting part of this journey is finding your purpose. And what does that really mean to you? And maybe you can describe what your purpose is. <laughs> It's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> it's a big word, <laughs> purpose, a word yeah. I use every day. Um, yeah. I think in the end, your purpose is something that evolves with you, but it's about mm. being true to the positive impact that you can make on the world, and that starts with yourself. So for mm. me, I would say my purpose or my mission is to develop my own self through growing, through um, developing my freedom and developing my presence and gratitude every day. And then therefore be able to help other people grow that in themselves. Mm. Amazing, I love it. So it's not practical. I wouldn't say my purpose is to create a conscious podcast, but yeah. that absolutely aligns with what my purpose is. Um, in the sense that it helps me to deliver my own personal growth and the growth of others towards a more free and fulfilling life. Totally. So actually every morning, the first thing I do after my meditation is write in my journal what my mission is or purpose. Um, so it's, it's slightly differently worded each day, 
Um, but it's it's essentially what I just described. And then I look at how what I'll do that day will feed into it. So how how am I prioritizing the way I spend my time? And that can be, you know, at the weekend I was at a festival with a, a group of my closest friends from Berlin. So that feeds into it. It's about just mm. having fun and being open and having incredible conversations that help further your personal growth. I wrote a lot in my journal at the festival, actually, you know, from some of the conversations I had and enjoying life and being grateful just as much as it can be absolutely business orientated on another day. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. The way I like to think about purpose and it's, it's a bit of a trap that some of us, some of us fall into, especially in the sort of self-development world is like, you know, if you're programmed in the old version of success where it's like you're constantly setting goals and what's the projection, what's the ROI, then if you're looking at your purpose, you can easily fall into that trap. Okay, what's my purpose? I'm looking ahead. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, solving poverty or world hunger or acidification of oceans, whatever you're passionate about, but it's constantly something outside of yourself that's further ahead. And so you're missing a sense of purpose in the present. You know, so for me, it's a balance between that because that's that's the doing part of the purpose. Right. And so and that's amazing. We all need a, a doing part. You need to set goals and, and live your purpose in that way. But the other part of purpose is just fundamental presence of being like just to be a human being and experience the the um, visceral realness, aliveness of life in the moment is also part of my purpose. So I think finding a balance between those, it's the being, the doing, and then the becoming, like, who am I, who do I want to become, right? So it's, um, it's a multi-tiered uh, vision of purpose, uh, which is awesome. I love um, that. That's really beautiful. And I completely yeah. agree with you at its, it's, its purest essence. Purpose is being, purpose is presence. I completely agree. And yes. I really like the way you break it down into those three categories. And I think in, before I would focus most on becoming. Whereas now I focus mm. most on being present and I trust fully that I will become what I need to become through this mm. process of being in the present and of, of every day practicing that kind of gratitude and, and allowing my intuition to guide me. Yeah. And allow it to be ever evolving. Like you said earlier, it's like, so, you know, a lot of people will set a goal and then they're so hyper-focused on that goal. They miss some of the other signs. So when I'm working with a client, it's like, yes, okay. Setting goals is important, but it's really just a trajectory. Like let's set a direction we want to go in. And then when you're on the path, feeling that deep sense of being in the present, you become aware to other opportunities and maybe there's a better path. Maybe there's a better purpose. Maybe there's a better goal. And so in the moment of being present, moving in a direction, you can say, okay, well, maybe I can pivot in this direction. Maybe this is better, you know, rather than just being hyper-focused on one goal and moving towards it with the blinders on, then you might miss all of life and all the other opportunities that, you know, the universe might be providing for you, but you're not paying attention. Absolutely. Yeah, and that comes back to what we were talking about, um, physical manifestations of, you know, the universe or your body telling you you're out of alignment. You know, it's pain as an evolutionary driver. If you're not paying attention to those opportunities, you're going to have some manifestation, be it anxiety or stress or a diagnosis or an accident, something's going to happen to say, Hey, listen, you're not paying attention, right? So coming back to that and, and listening and trusting those voices, and, and then pivoting on our path, I think is super important as well. So ever evolving purpose, I think, is what, you know, it really comes down to, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, alcohol has been a big part of my journey. And we actually discussed this on your podcast about how you've had a similar journey with alcohol. Can you tell us about that? Yes, alcohol was one of the big surprises. I think it's actually important to talk a little bit first about veganism, because okay. veganism for me was what opened my eyes to the freedom from what society tells us in terms of how we treat our bodies and how we live our lives. So, mm. you know, when I was 12 years old, I felt like eating animals was really horrible. And I mentioned it to my mom and she said, hey, wait till you're 18 and then you can eat how you want. But while you're a child, I, I feed you in the way I, I see best for you. And I thought, mm. okay, my mom was an incredible cook and, and I completely accepted that. So there was something there within me, but, but it was also okay for me to just push it aside for a while. But by the time I was 20, there was no way I could 
um, eat meat anymore, for example. I mean, I could talk about veganism alone for an hour. I won't. But what I will say is the process of following my intuition of understanding that my subconscious mind knows it's wrong to kill animals, to harm animals, the, the immense devastation that happens to the planet as well through this whole horrendous industry. Um, and also, of course, all of the, the health implications, how terrible mm. dairy and meat products are for our bodies, all of these things um, that were there, you know, it, it took me to really change change my whole perspective and take my life into my own hands to be able to say I'm fully vegan. And if you don't want me to come around for dinner, that's your problem, <laughs> you know, mm. because there is this sense of, oh, I'm stepping outside of the norm and what will people think? And is it okay for them? Maybe I shouldn't cause problems. But at some point you have to connect with what feels true to you. But what I mm. learned was actually where initially I thought that veganism would be something constraining, right? It's like, especially to people who aren't vegan, they see that you are imposing rules on your life. I can't have that. I can't have that. I, you know, I, I have to mm. avoid these certain things and those things that you're doing, some of those things I can't do. It can be seen as something constraining as a way that you can't sort of live as fully. But what I understood was for a lot of people, I, I don't know if it's most, your subconscious knows it's wrong to do these things. Mm. And when you are still doing them, there's a process there where your self-conscious feels guilt. It feels um, that you're, you're harming yourself. And that mm -hmm. is self-hate self in the end. That, that makes self-hate. So when I became vegan, I suddenly understood the freedom of not making these decisions and saying, oh, well, it's okay. The others do it. It's just this once. It's just this time. And just saying, no, I choose to live mm -hmm. in a way which does not cause so much guilt. And that, the freedom from that was amazing and beautiful. Um, so that's one thing. And, and I know a lot of people mm. who eat meat, but then could never watch an, a documentary about the meat industry or the horrendous psychological impact on cows of all the things that happen to them and their offspring. You know, So after going through that journey and feeling so grateful for becoming vegan and having the clarity of mind that comes with that the inner peace, then I, I was struggling with some allergies, some food allergies, which were around since uh, a long time since before becoming vegan, but they were getting slightly progressively worse. So I went to a holistic doctor and she told me that I needed to reset my stomach bacteria. I had about 50% of the bacteria I needed. I think it might be from taking antibiotics a handful of times, but, but who knows? That's just a, a, mm. a guess. Um, so I had to go on a very specific diet for three months where there were lots of fruits and vegetables and things that were cut out. Um, all dairy and things, but being vegan, um, that didn't affect me, but it was a very, very restricted diet. It was really challenging. And that was in itself was a very interesting, mindful process, especially when I was traveling around Japan with my best friend and I could only really eat sweet potatoes, spinach and tomatoes. Um, it was, it was challenging. I was cooking things in a hotel kettle and all sorts of stuff that, you know, it worked and I stuck to it for mm. three months and it included no alcohol. And I'm someone who's always been very extrovert, very sociable. I've always been going out loads and, and full of energy and not someone to say no, um, balancing a lot of fun and socializing with work. And I also am someone who, again, unlike the norm for, for my circles, I never took party drugs, it just didn't interest me. I never felt I needed them. Um, mm. I could still be the last on the dance floor. Um, so yeah, it just never was something I got into. Whereas most people I knew in, in London, um, absolutely were, but so I was drinking alcohol. Um, I never thought it was a problem. I never missed it when I didn't drink. I never drank alone or at home. I didn't feel I craved it. It was just normal usage in my mm. environment. Very typical, normal usage Friday night. Let's, let's get the drinks in. And Thursday often, you know, but um, yeah, it, it was really, really le less even than, than the average perhaps. But, you know, I really enjoyed drinking, I thought. And it was just a normal part of society for me. So when I was told I couldn't drink for three months, I thought, how on earth am I going to manage it? I love going out. And that's just the, the only thing that I, I kind of do, you know. So... I also love a challenge. And so I took on this challenge and it was 
really interesting at the beginning, I realized how unconscious my drinking had been in the sense that someone would say, hey, I'm going to the bar, who needs another drink? And you go, oh yeah, mine's empty. Yeah, sure, but not, I would actually consciously like to consume another alcoholic drink. It's just a habit. Mm. It's really, you don't think about it. It's just something you do. There's free drinks there, red or white. You know, it's 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 just mm-hmm. not a question. So I, I went through the, this time and just realized so many of the things that I had associated with alcohol weren't to do with alcohol. I had just as mm. much fun. An amazing party is even more amazing when you're not drunk. Um, a rubbish party is still rubbish anyway, so you might as well go home, <laughs> go you know, and enjoy the next day more. And conversations with great friends are as open as ever. Um, yeah, alcohol is something that gives us false experiences. Um, my partner, who also doesn't drink alcohol, said that he realized that alcohol made him pursue things or do things that he just didn't want to do as much as the things that he would do when he was sober. And I think that's really true. Even if it's just something so small as to have a conversation for twice as long or stay somewhere that you don't really like or anything, it, you know, or, or eat something that you didn't think about eating that isn't really healthy or that you don't really want to eat. There are just different tiny behaviors or bigger behaviors mm. too that, that aren't really aligned with what you truly want. So I then understood that not drinking alcohol gave me the same kind of freedom as being vegan. I was free from anxiety. I never felt I had anxiety, but not drinking. I definitely didn't have anxiety. I had never felt stronger and smoother. And it's it's hard to describe because I never felt that I wasn't strong and clear-minded and and um, and consistent. But by not drinking, it was a whole different level. And I felt so mm. powerful. And I've had more fun through this. And it hasn't affected how I go out. And a big realization was the people who have a problem with you not drinking, unfortunately, are the people who have an alcohol problem that they're not addressing within themselves. So it's not something I ever take personally. And I hope that that they can find their own way on their journey to perhaps cutting out alcohol too. But it's just insane how much it is a normal part of our society and how incredibly freeing and opening and relaxing and liberating it is just to say no. So after three months of no drinking, I said, there's no way I want to drink. I'm making it six. And after that, I I just couldn't imagine drinking again. So it's been a year and a half since I had my last glass of wine. Um, And I don't miss it at all. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. I could not have, if two years ago you told me I would stop drinking, I wouldn't believe you for a second. Me too. Uh, You know, like you said, it's so um, intrinsically in ingrained in our culture, in our mindset, in our practices, in our society that I, when I was considering taking time off alcohol, I couldn't imagine a life without it. It was so baked into my identity. And like you said, everything you do, every social event, every birthday party, every dinner, every business event, all revolve around alcohol. It's so ubiquitous. It's crazy. But um, there is but a move. There is a shift. I'm noticing it. There is a shift. Yeah. 100%. One by one, I'm meeting more people who are or friends of mine very slowly are reconsidering mm. their relationship with alcohol, stopping alcohol. I mean, it's a poison in the end. I, I 100%. eat, you know, only organic as much as possible. I eat vegan. Yeah. I look after my body and try to not put poisons inside. Why was it then fine mm. to d- just drink as much alcohol as I felt like? So, you know, it, it is, it's a toxic poison and it's really amazing to see other people also moving away from it. I'm definitely not the only one. It's really exciting. I think the next generation will be very different. It is super exciting. And I agree with you. There is a trend moving in that direction and yeah. you and I are both uh, part of it and spearheading it, which is amazing. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it, the world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group 
with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. What's coming up for me and everything you're saying is this through line of um, disconnection, I guess you would call it, when there's a... Um, a disconnection between sort of what our programming is or what our logic or what our uh, society is telling us and what our trust and our intuition and our higher selves is telling us. I think that's where a lot of people um, are experiencing problems because there's a, there's a, um, a disconnection, a noise, a sort of um, that's un, unfazed when you're not in connection, not in flow with yourself. And that manifests in ways, especially when it's unconscious, like, I don't know what's wrong. So I'm just, I'm anxious. I'm just going to go drink, you know, or I'm just going to go numb out with whatever it is, uh, or I'm just going to go eat McDonald's or whatever it is, because, you know, that's, it gives me a, a momentary pleasure to ease the, the pain of this sort of disconnection, but that fundamental dis- disconnection does not go away. And so, um, becoming aware of it and then trusting that you can take steps to alleviate that be it veganism be it alcohol be it the job you're in it's like trusting that that higher self that whisper that we can only hear if we're being still enough to listen to it so i wanted to ask you about um what practices you mentioned some earlier but what practices do you use what is your daily routine what do you do in the morning to set yourself up for success and to to really tune into that trust into intuition rather than getting caught in that fear anxiety doing mind that we talked about earlier yeah i think you're absolutely right it's fear um we we have in us ingrained in us a fear of change because mm. we don't know what it means and it's uncertainty and often self-sabotage when changes are involved but when there is this difference between doing something which the the society or your your wider social group and peers have told you is right or doing what you feel might be right inside. Mm. It seems easier to go for the first because you're not making a statement. You're not breaking away. You're not risking relationships. Totally. But what I've learned is firstly, there's actually nothing to be scared of. You know, when we really look at that in the mirror and ask what is the worst that could happen by doing this, by really mm. following, I think we we can see it's not that bad. And mm. relationships are often something that come up with my clients as well, where they feel that if they make these big changes, how will that change their relationships? And it's also really important that we have conscious relationships. Relationships aren't forever always, and they might not serve us for our whole lifetime, and that's okay. And I think it's Mm. really important that we understand that by following our true path, if people fall away from us, they are not meant to be coming with us on this path. And it's that simple. Mm. And I don't think that's too harsh. It's just a reality. And we have to let, let things go and let ourselves grow and not be held back by people who are ultimately holding themselves back. But in terms of my practices, I mean, you know, I am somebody who loves change and who is kind of thrilled by it. So <laughs> I think in some way um, that's something that that I feel very grateful for and which I nurture. Um, but, of course, there's always comfort zones and zones outside of that. So I also really like to practice putting myself out of my comfort zone as often as possible when I'm wondering whether to do something or not and it feels uncomfortable. For example, I had the idea during lockdown, I was in Australia, me and and my partner were meant to hitchhike across the world from New Zealand to London. Corona hit, we stayed for five months in bliss in Australia with my amazing godfather and his family. And the idea for the podcast came to me like a download, going conscious, the name, what the concept, who I'd interview, it was all there. And at first I thought, how can I do that? I've never created audio. Mm. I, I'm not a podcaster. And these these feelings of fear, of imposter syndrome, they kind of come in. But then I always ask myself the same question. What's the worst that could happen? And what, mm. how would I feel if someone in my network was doing that? 
supportive, happy, there to help. You know, it's Corona, people can forgive some things not being completely up to scratch in terms of your audio quality or, or anything. And if you're making a positive impact with what you're doing, it's a whole different energy. Um, so that's a really important question for me. And then as soon as I ask myself that question, it's a no brainer and I, I just move forward. But in terms of my daily practices, they do change. Um, they do evolve over time. I did a Vipassana meditation course, a 10-day silent meditation retreat in New Zealand in January. And that was um, really incredible and impactful and very much deepened my meditation practice. After, for mm. three months after that, I was meditating for two hours a day. Now I'm back to meditating 20 minutes a day. Um, so it really depends on the phase that I'm in. But I like to wake up, meditate first, even if it's just for a short time. And then I like to move my body. Um, Pilates, I absolutely love. Long walks in nature. It depends where I am. I'm living nomadically in a van, as you know, living connected to nature and cities. So I don't have a specific morning routine where I'm always near a lake or a pool or a Pilates studio. But I train myself in Pilates and can always go for long walks wherever I am. And then to write in my journal as well. So I've just started a new journaling practice where I set new intentions for it. And every morning, as I mentioned, I write my mission, how my daily intention and daily goals will feed that. And then I write three things that I'm grateful for. And if I have any specific reflections, things that have come up for me, I include them or any ideas as well. I track my ideas there. And then in the evening, I write three things I'm grateful for from my day. And one success, which is something that I just added in after the conversation with a friend, because she mentioned that, you know, gratitude journaling is incredible, which it is. It completely resets your mind and you really do manifest and create the positive life that you want. But it's also about external things. And it's also important to be grateful for yourself every day. So writing mm. one success, however small, is also part of that, um, which feels great. Mm. And then if I have any reflections from the day, I include them um, and build from them as well. Fabulous. I love it. I want to come back and ask you about Vipassana because that's something I've always been attracted to and haven't had the opportunity to engage in yet. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, as far as I can understand, it's a, a silent retreat, right? So um, you, you just, you're in a group with a bunch of people and you're silent for X amount of days. And it's something that I've always been attracted to because um, like meditation, like we're talking about, it it allows us to discover ourselves absent of external stimuli. And so this is kind of the, the, the zenith, taking that to the nth degree, where you're just with yourself for an expended, extended period of time. And that can be terrifying for a lot of people, even me. It's like, wow, that's that's pretty intense. But I can only imagine how much you learn about yourself, about the universe. So what was your experience with it? And what did you learn about yourself being silent for that amount of time? Well, it was incredible and it was very intense. I walked away saying it was the um, most impactful experience I'd ever had in my life. And mm. Dennis, my partner, and I left. We, we did the course together, but men and women are separate. So we met mm. again after 10 days and we went into the forest in New Zealand nearby and spent a whole day in the forest just downloading everything that we had to share about what we'd learned. We talked, I think, for 12 hours straight uh, so I, I wrote wow. some notes, which I, which I don't have in front of me right now as it was six months ago or so, but, um, the, the experience is incredibly intense. It's amazing. You are completely silent. Like you say, for 10 days, you have men and women on separate sides and you wake up at four 30 and you have a timetable every day, which includes 10 hours of meditation before wow. going there. The most I'd ever meditated in one day was one hour. Um, yeah, it was. So how did you adjust to that? Quite well, because I just surrendered to the experience completely. You know, you mm. don't have a phone, you don't have a book, you don't have a pen and paper, you don't have anything that you can distract yourself with. You also don't do any exercise. You can take walks in the beautiful garden there, but it's very much about coming down, slowing, becoming still and coming with yourself. And I was going to sleep at 9, 9.30 every evening after these intense days 
you learn the technique of the passion and meditation, which is all about really just flowing through the body and noticing what's there and observing. There's no mantras or counting mm. or um, imagery at all. And it's really about going deep within yourself. And I, by the, I think it was on the seventh day, I started to actually be able to feel inside my body in a way I'd never experienced. I had had pneumonia over Christmas about one month before, and I could feel that it was still in my lung and I could feel where it was. And when we got back, I had an, a follow-up x-ray and the picture was exactly what I'd felt of this spot that was still on my lung, which was mm. fine. It just takes some months to heal. But it was really amazing to, to feel that within myself. Um, I felt completely connected and just when I walked through the, the garden, I just felt like I needed to touch the trees and I felt that we were of the same energy in a way that I had intellectually known but never previously experienced. And that's the amazing thing about this retreat is that you experience firsthand things about the universe that you may have read that you may have been told, that you may have some spiritual beliefs in, that you actually experience in yourself. And that's so deeply life-changing. Mm. And yeah, so, you know, I, I came away thinking, why did I wear makeup for all these years? <laughs> and, and never, you know, I wasn't wearing that much, but I wasn't questioning it. And, yeah. and that's a really trivial thing. But I had ideas as well about... Um, the path that I want to take and understood much more about surrendering to my path. So all it, it was all things that I was in some way maybe aware of, but they were just much, they were far deepened by this experience. And if you'd asked me five months ago, I think I could have given you a much more profound description. And that shows me it's time to go hmm. back soon and do it again, which we definitely will. Amazing. I can't wait for that experience. It, it seems daunting and quite terrifying um, for a lot of people, I think. But I, what, wow, what I've heard is the description from a lot of people, yours included, uh, mm. is just a, a life-changing, transformational experience. Um, and you, you talked about surrender, and that's a word that comes up a lot in yeah. the personal development world. Uh, and I think it has a lot of stigma in, you know, sort of the in the societal world where surrender is in a competitive capitalist society. It's giving up. It's failure. It's surrendering. It's getting down onto your knees and bowing to the king. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about surrender. So I want to ask you, what does surrender mean to you? <laughs> surrender. Really, I think it means internal freedom being able to fully accept this moment and, and yourself and your place within this moment and this world and be really grounded in that and move without resistance, without blocking yourself. I think mm -hmm. our, our biggest obstacles always come from ourselves and surrender for me is how to get past that. And yes, you're right. It comes with a lot of stigma. And it also reminds me of what we touched on earlier around having some goals about what you want to become, but not being fixed. And mm. I think surrender is really, really important in that. Because if you're not surrendering, you're not open. And you're not going to be shown the path or you're not going to be able to read the signs that are right in front of you. And you mm. will be progressing down a life path that you haven't consciously engaged with and you've more in your mind decided you have to do and that's a dangerous way to live and a way far too many of us live mm, totally uh, and i think that that does circle back nicely to what we we're talking about um, with purpose earlier is surrender um, being able to move beyond your logical programmed ego mind and move into that sort of center whole soul intuition heart space and, and be able to trust it enough to, a to listen to the messages which are whispers rather than the noise that were all the distractions we're hearing in our day-to-day -day life we have to be still enough to listen and then to be able to surrender enough to to trust whatever um that guidance is telling us and then to get out of our own way in order to, for it to manifest like you talked about um your idea for the podcast going conscious came to you in a download 
And then, you know, your ego mind kicks in. It's like, oh, well, how am I going to do this? I don't know anything about it. You know, where's what's the ROI? Like that's the ego mind trying to make sense of it and make a plan. But having that trust to get out of your own way and then to recognize that it's not about you. It's got nothing to do with you, right? And so your ego mind is like, well, I, me, 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 me. Like I'm going to look stupid or I'm not going to do it well or, I, you know, I have to make money or whatever. It's, it's yelling at you. But to... A, just be able to recognize that ego mind and then not follow it and then have the trust to follow the intuition. And when I say not about you, it's you are here to, to we all are here to embody our unique gifts to make the world a more beautiful place is basically how I look at it, right? And so whatever that, that's going to mean something different for everybody so that everybody's life purpose will be different. And so if you are being called to do a podcast Obviously, there's some value in you that you need to offer the world in that medium, right? And so not doing it would be a disservice to the world. So if you can sort of shift that frame of mind and say, okay, it's not about me. This is something I need to do for the good of everyone, for the good of the entire world. And that sort of shifts it and, and it tends to alleviate the imposter syndrome and you know all that fear that comes up because it it is terrifying to put yourself out there in some respects and 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 risk failure and risk change and risk relationships like you were talking about earlier and so um for me it just keeps coming back to that trust but shifting that mindset about it's not about me this is something bigger that i need to do and if i can get out of my way my own way and just you know watch my ego and just you know operate from that place of trust and intuition then everything will be provided for. And that's, that's something that's super counter counterintuitive in, uh, in the Western world. Um, yeah. So with so much change going on, did you want to reflect on that? Yeah, um, I completely agree with you. And I think I love the way you describe it. And I would just add that also, it's not necessarily that this is the end goal, right? That this is the mm. end point of what I have to offer the universe at this time but this is an important step in my journey and this is how I feel about the work that I'm doing and it just really reminds me of an image that I had over the weekend when I was talking to my dear friend Anna about our journaling processes and our, our personal development and I feel I really know that I am here to help people to grow and heal and that's just mm. something that I I know but I'm the channel. I see myself as the channel and I have the mm. input from the universe, which is coming, which I need to connect to. And then I have the people who I'm funneling it to at the bottom. Mm. And it's for me to work on being open, on growing my sense of presence, on building my relationship with my intuition so that I can understand the, the things I need to learn, the courses I need to take, the people I need to engage with and the way that I need to develop myself so that I can be the best channel that I can be. And by doing that, mm. that means that I can connect with the messages from the universe, the downloads, where I should be going, where I need to be going, and then also deliver that to the right people. So who knows, we might be speaking in 20 years and I might be a Reiki master in <laughs> the Himalayas, but you know, if I've been open and following, then that's what I need to be. Or maybe going conscious becomes something bigger and bigger and bigger. And that ends up being the way that I can make a really big impact on the world. Mm. But whatever it is, I need to stay open. And like you say, it's not about me. It's about me being the best channel that I can. Mm. And I, I think that's probably the same for a lot of people and also different for a lot of people. Some people might see themselves as springboards or some people might see themselves as um, people who are serving in a different way. But that's how I currently see it. Mm, that's beautifully articulated. I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, becoming a clear channel, a clear vessel is what you're describing. Vessel. Uh, yeah. yeah, a clear vessel. And that's uh, a lot of the creative clients I work with, we call it the create clearing out the noise and distortion in the creative channel. So you can be listening, you can be available for the downloads and the intuition, um, which is amazing. And wh why this work uh, that both of us do in transformational coaching is so important. We help people clear out the noise in their own channel so they can be a clear vessel and they can and download uh, and be connected to nature and the universe and themselves in order to properly fulfill their purpose, you know, and that will fundamentally change the world from the inside out if each of us is leaning into that and doing that deep healing work. So uh, it's amazing Absolutely. what you're doing in the world. So 
thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Uh, Nikki, this, is, this has been awesome. I love diving in with you and we'll have to do this again, uh, but I want to be cognizant of your time. So I'll just ask you one more question and this kind of will kind of wrap it up into a nice little bow, I hope. Um, if you were to take all of your experiences and knowledge and wisdom and distill them down into one message, what would it be? One message. It would have yeah. to be live your freedom. And what I mean by that is it's really up to you. And we all have within us of our own freedom and our own ability to connect. And it's there for us to take if we want to. And it's not without hurdles. It's not without challenges. But the rewards are so beyond anything that we can imagine when we're still stuck in an old paradigm. So I really encourage everybody to take whatever steps their intuition is telling them to take, even if they don't understand where it leads to. Trust your intuition and allow yourself to live with the freedom that you deserve to live with. Mm, fantastic. Awesome. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Nikki. Tell Thank everybody you, where they can find you. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, where can so people find you online? You can find me online on Instagram at Nikki Trot. That's N-I-K-K-I-T-R-O-T-T. Or my website, NikkiTrot.com. You can find my podcast, Going Conscious, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other major platforms. And also you can find all the episodes and show notes online at GoingConscious.com. Fantastic. I'll put all those links in the show notes for anybody who didn't catch it. And be sure to check out Going Conscious and our interview on Going Conscious, which will be live pretty soon. But thank you so much, Nikki. Have a fabulous day. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember... Live your being.